It is an honor to be uh, invited to Cornerstone this morning. Uh, the truly spiritual remnant uh, who are who are here and not um, out other places. We are thankful for vacations, of course, and stuff. So um, definitely that has its place as well. But um, yeah, Awana is definitely a big deal here, and I've, I I knew that. Um, I was going to see a lot of familiar faces, people that um, we've come across in ministry before, so it's good to be here in the, in the building uh, with you all this morning, and uh, welcome to those watching uh, online as well. You probably got a chance to see my family um, providing some entertainment here along the front row. Um, my wife, Liz, and uh, our three children, Cora, Jack, and Andy. Cora's eight, uh, Jack is six, and Andy is two, so... Uh, certainly keeps us hopping. Um, Awana has been a part of my life uh, for a really long time. I started in it when I was a spark, when I was in kindergarten. So recognize that red sparks vest you got on there, bud. And uh, um, went all the way up through Awana, went all the way through middle school, even high school, completing the Awana Bible studies, got a nice uh, college scholarship even uh, to attend college based on my achievements in Awana. So uh, moms and dads, we know that it's obviously the uh, discipleship, the scripture memory that's the most important, but hey, if you can get a little college money, that doesn't hurt, right? Um, so I can honestly say that I'll never know the full impact that Awana's had on my life, just from all the way from a kindergartner working all the way up through, had some amazing Awana leaders, and now I get the coveted role of being the Awana dad as well, so um, helping our kids to go up through the Awana handbooks, and so that has been a lot of fun. Um, um, my parents were always those um, leaders that were, you know, coming early to church to set up for Awana and staying late afterwards. So I, I got a lot of experience, you know, being that church, you know, church rat just running around like all this energy and, and, and being put to good use. Um, if any of you have, are familiar with Awana, you might have, uh, be familiar with the red, blue, green, and yellow Awana colors, the Awana um, game circle. And my mom was the game director for the Iwana Club at our church growing up. And so we had an entire nook in our basement of anything that she could possibly find. Whenever it was came in red, blue, green, and yellow, if it came in that set, she would just snatch it up. Because you never knew when that might come in handy for an Iwana game or an Iwana activity. So uh, Dollar Tree is the place to go if you want that stuff. If you don't want to buy more stuff, don't go to Dollar Tree. That, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. Um, but they have a lot of those things that come in those colors, and so we would always uh, be stocking up on those red, blue, green, and yellow items. So um, if you ha I I'm, I'm using the, the, the term Awana. I know it's been a big part of this. Um, thank you to all of you who are, are a part of the ministry, and uh, if you haven't been as familiar with what Awana is, what Awana does, um, certainly you're welcome to come and join the activities on Wednesday nights here at the church. I know they're still meeting um, throughout the month of May, so um, come check it out. Um, it, you know, the three and four-year-olds have that energy and excitement, memorizing God's word, and um, that joy that comes from those kids is certainly contagious. And then you can also go on up to the, even the upper elementary grades and have started to have those deeper um, biblical conversations. And so uh, check that out. It's certainly a lot of energy. You'll, you'll be blessed by it. And again, thank you to all of you that are participating in it, praying for the ministry. Um, as I was, you know, thinking about the um, the longevity of the ministry here at Cornerstone, I can imagine there's just some really great spiritual champions that are being developed through the ministries of this church. All right, so I'm going to get to Proverbs. Yeah, seven Proverbs to build into your home. Um, you can't invite the Awana guy without giving some props to all the children's and youth ministries. So um, we will be keeping a family ministry theme uh, throughout our time together this morning. 
Um, the Proverbs are a really great place for, for us to go as families, just to have these quick little nuggets, these really good bullet points, um, good little things to post in our, our homes and on the mirrors and memorize them as, together as a family. There's a lot of really great, great nuggets of wisdom here. So we'll be looking at quite a few passages, and so I hope you don't get overwhelmed by it. I'll, I'll try and be, you know, kind of moving through um, these passages, but just sort of highlight the ones that are the most interesting to you and ones that you might want to look into deeper as a family. So um, we're going to go ahead and, and, and jump right in, so let me go ahead and say a word of prayer for us as we uh, look into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this book of Proverbs. Thank you, God, for the wisdom it entails, and we pray for good application on how to use this in our homes, and our families, with the relationships that we come in contact with every week. God, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to look into your word. In Christ's name, amen. So um, we're going to be looking at seven Proverbs to build into your home. And uh, just so you know, the kids who are here, I'm going to be doing an illustration throughout our time together this morning. So you're going to be able to have a part in helping us with this illustration. So when I call for some volunteers, be ready to shoot that hand up, all right? Because I'll be needing some helpers. So the first proverb that we're going to be looking at is Proverbs 1-7. Proverbs 1-7. And so for each one of these Proverbs that I'm mentioning, I'm going to have like a key word that's, that's something that we should really be mindful of having in our homes. And so this first one here is the, the mind of having a heart of respect. So Proverbs 1-7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So when we have fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, um, we're not talking about like a scared fear. This is talking about a fear like a respect or a reverence for the Lord. So having that reverence for the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So um, as we build our home, we're going to have some bricks to build it. So I've asked Cora to help me out. So Cora, we brought some bricks that we're going to be building this home. So come on up, get, get, get the basket. It's going to be really heavy. So um, try, try and strain and, and help. Oh, you're so strong. You're so good. All right. Oh, oh, come on up. Yep. Just put it, put it right up here. Right up here. It's great. Yep. Right there. All right. So we got some bricks that we're going to be building into our home. So Cora, since you're already up here, go ahead and, and help us find this first brick. It'll be the brick that has respect on it. Respect. So, you know, dig through there. It's in there. If, if, you, don't, if, if you don't see it, yeah, I might have to pull some off the top there. I probably buried it to make this more entertaining for me. Um, so we want to have this respect for God, right? We want to have this respect. And when we have a respect for God, we, we have to understand that these Proverbs come from him, right? So all of these Proverbs, this wisdom. Where do you want to put our, our stack? Maybe off to the side right here. All right, so that's the first brick of our house. Okay, Cora, thank you. Give her a round of applause. Thank you, Cora. So when we have um, respect for God, respect for his words, it's also going to translate into respect for the people within our home, right, with respect for our families. Um, I mean, there's so many different passages in, in Scripture where it talks about relations with our families. Um, we understand that, that we're commanded to honor our father and mother, right, one of our commandments. We say that often to little kids, but even for us adults, that's still true, to honor our father and mother. Um, if you're like me and you're a dad, fathers, we're, we're, we're commanded in Ephesians, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Um, mothers in Titus 2 have the command to love your children and love your husband. So that's just a small taste of it. But when we have respect for God, that respect for God is going to translate into respect in many other different areas across our homes. Um, so we, we want to be 
having this respect for God and his authority. And that really has to be the start because like Proverbs 1, 7 tells us, this is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of knowledge. And we want to make uh, these wise decisions, right? We want to make wise choices. I know that's what I, I like to do. It doesn't always work out that way, but I want to make those wise choices. All right. So we got our first brick is respect. Our next one is going to come from Proverbs 16, 13. So jump over to Proverbs 16, 13 with me. And this brick is going to be the brick of truthfulness. The, the brick of truthfulness. So this one says, uh, righteous lips are a delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Okay? So uh, we have another brick that we need to add to our house. So I need a volunteer. Raise your hand if you want to come and help me with a brick. All right. I saw the, that boy right there in the Sparks vest. So we are looking for the brick that has truthfulness on it, okay? So it's going to start with a T. It's going to be a really long word. So find that brick for me. And we're going to add that to our house. There it is right there. All right. So you want to put it on top or next to the, that brick that says respect on it? Put it on top there. Perfect. We're not going to be able to go seven bricks high. I mean, that's not going to be a structurally integrity. There's not going to be a lot of integrity to that structure. So we will have to put some next to it at some point. But he, he, he chose to put that one up on top. So we don't want to have like a leaning tower. We want a solid fa- foundation here. So, um, but God loves it when we speak truth, right? God's word is truth. We, we know that. And uh, that's why we have the Bible, to know God's word, to know what his truth is. Um, it's been said that if you tell a lie once, all your future truth becomes questionable. And, and that's pretty good, isn't it? I'll read that again. If you tell a lie once, all your future truth becomes questionable. And it's a good reminder that even one lie, even one thing that we say that's not truthful can have an impact on that relationship with the person, can impact on, on what future things we tell that person. There might be that little grain in the back of their mind. Well, I remember that time when David wasn't truthful with me. I wonder if what he's saying here is true. And so it's a good reminder that we have to think. We have to be really careful with that tongue. It's, we know that, again, one of our commandments is, you know, you shall not lie. It's pretty straightforward. But our tongue can get us in trouble, can it? Our tongue, that small little thing, um, can get us in, in, into lots of trouble. I know in our own home, I get so proud of my children when I catch them t- telling the truth. I'm not always probably as good at, at praising them for that as I should be, but man, what a, what a blessing that is as a parent to know that, that in a hard situation, your child has chosen to speak truth instead of taking the easy way out and, and, telling, and telling a lie. And so... It, we, we've been called to the referee those discussions, right, parents? When you have a he said, she said conversation, and these clearly, you know, they didn't see the same thing. I mean, this is totally different sides of the spectrum. We have no idea what, the, um, what actually happened, but um, and that's a really hard situation to be in, but if, if our children are telling the truth, then that makes that situation so much easier because we know, uh, we, we know then where, what my role is to, to resolve the conflict. If I'm just guessing at a he said, she said conversation, it's a lot more challenging. So it helps when there's a witness, when someone says she did it, he did it. But I mean, it's nice when that even doesn't, that isn't even required because our kids are just trustworthy um, and telling the truth. So it's easier for others to believe what we say and value our words 
when we make truthfulness a habit. Okay, so a family that respects each other is going to be truthful with each other. All right, so what was our first brick? Respect. What was our second one? Truthfulness. All right, we're, we're tracking. Good, I'm glad to hear it. All right, time for our third brick. The third brick is humility. Humility, and this is going to come from Proverbs 11.2. Proverbs 11.2. And Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. All right, and I already saw a hand shoot up in the, in the back corner there. Come on up, buddy. Come on up. And you're going to find our brick with humility on it, okay? Take your time. Not, no one has any place to be. Pastor said I could take two, three hours or something like that, so we're good. All right, yeah, thank you, building up our foundation, appreciate that. All right, give him a hand, woo! I think I forgot to do that for a second one. So an illustration of humility, um, I, I found this neat story about Booker T. Washington, um, famous educator, author, um, a real leader, not only in his community in Alabama, but really in our nation. And um, he had just been announced the new president of Tuskegee Institute in Alabama and was walking down the street of his town and saw an older woman who had just saw him passing by and asked him to come to her house and uh, chop some wood if he had some time and wanted to earn a few dollars chopping some wood for her. Uh, she had no idea that this was Booker T. Washington that she was, uh, you know, ushering into her backyard to help chop some wood, but you know, Professor Washington had no pressing engagements. He had the time, so he took time, rolled up his sleeves, and got to work chopping some wood for this older woman. Um, as he got finished, he you know hauled the wood into the house, completed the job, um, probably got paid a few dollars. And as he was leaving, another woman down the street recognized that's Booker T. Washington coming out of this lady's house. So he left, went about his day, um, and this, this, this young lady went to the woman and said, hey, you, you know who it was who was just chopping your wood? It, it's Booker T. Washington. He's like amazing. He's one of the heroes of our country. And uh, this woman was just floored. She had no idea who this was. And so she profusely uh, went to go apologize to Booker T. Washington, and, and his response is really humble. He says, it's perfectly all right, madam. I do occasionally enjoy some manual labor. And besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. Um, and I just think that's a really touching, uh, heartfelt moment there. It's, I have no idea if he actually knew this woman. And it feels like from the story that they're just complete strangers, but he made a friend in doing this uh, job for her of chopping up some wood. Um, but that, that's, that's some humility. Um, he didn't think of himself as being, I'm, a, I'm an author, I'm a professor, I'm not going to do the manual labor that you're asking of me. Um, I'm sure that's exactly how he sounded, being from Alabama, too. Um, but um, he did that out of the humility of his heart. He, he knew that, that that was something that he could do, and this woman needed the, the job done. So this was a place where he could uh, be of service. And so um, in the end, it ends up working out pretty well for Tuskegee Institute as well. The, the woman was of some wealth, and she gave a sizable gift. So um, that wasn't what he was going for um, when he did the task, but um, it ended up uh, rewarding him uh, for his kindness in the, in the end, too. But how many, how many quarrels in our homes would be solved with 
uh, a simple dose of some humility. Um, if we're thinking of ourselves more than, than we're not being humble, we have that pride that the verse is talking about. With pride comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Um, and humility doesn't mean that I think very little of myself. Humility means that I think very highly of others. So it's not trying to belittle yourself. It's just remembering that, oh, yeah, there's more to this world than just me and getting what I want. All right. So now we're on to our fourth brick. All right. Our fourth brick comes from Proverbs 15.1. And Proverbs 15.1 is going to talk about gentle words. Who wants to come up and do the brick for Proverbs 15.1? All right. Come on up. So gentle words is what you're looking for there, young man. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. All right, all right. Thank you so much. Good job. How are we looking? I hadn't even been checking to make sure. We got truthfulness, gentle words, perspective, email. All right, we got it. We're four for four. We're doing good. Um, all right. So gentle words here, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. <sighs> yeah, this one gets at me, right? I mean, I think if there's any reason that the Rakes family is off at Disney, it's so that David could study um, Proverbs 15.1 this week. Um, this, this, this is a tricky one. Um, you, don't, I don't, you know, I, you know, I could have just not even included it. said, nope, that's, that one strikes a little too close to home. Um, but this is a, a really great reminder about the power that our words have. And... Uh, for me, I, I often, you know, if it's not uh, anger, it's, it's sarcasm for me. I have that gift of sarcasm. I don't know if you're like me, but that's not that soft answer. Uh, I know it's not specifically referenced there, um, but a soft answer turns away wrath. Um, and our sin nature wants to tell us something different. Uh, culture wants to tell us something different. If you want to win the argument, you got to speak the loudest. You got to get the last word in. That's what, that's, that's what we see so much of the time, you know, on the TV, in the news. We got to have that last word. Yeah, that's not what this verse is saying. A soft answer turns away wrath. Our conversations at our home shouldn't be about winning the battle, winning the argument, winning the day. I mean, if we go back to humility, that's not a humble spirit, is it? But when we get into those conversations, it's so easy, right? You, you, you want your point to be heard. They must not be hearing me. I must have to say it louder. Why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. You're yelling. Ever happened in your house? Just mine? No. Ah, the nervous laugh. Yes, I got you. All right. It feels good to yell, right? It gets out some of our frustration. It helps me feel better about the conversation. I know they can hear me. If it's not a word, it's just like a loud, like, grunt, like, something like that. But according to Proverbs 15:1, instead of helping, those, those loud words, those loud grunts stir up anger, and, and, and they don't resolve the conflict. They don't resolve the situation. Now, maybe that soft answer doesn't solve all the problems. It, I'm sure it helps, um, but I know in our home, that soft answer still may require some separation. <laughs> Having a place in our homes where we can just go and just say, all right, I need my space, you need your space. We'll let things calm down a little bit, um, and, and, and we'll come back to this issue in a, in a few minutes. 
But um, we definitely want to be uh, avoiding those harsh words, those angry words. And yes, for me, even those sarcastic words, they do not solve the problem. Cora's laughing because she knows I'm sarcastic. You're supposed to, shh, shh. That, that's, that's too close to home, kid. All right. I, I know for me, I never regret silence in a conversation, but I often regret words I speak in anger. So gentle words. All right. So we've got four bricks now. Our first brick was? A little louder this time. Second brick? Truthfulness. Third brick? Fourth brick? Gentle words. All right. So now we're on to brick number five. Brick number five comes from Proverbs 13.4. Proverbs 13.4. We're more than halfway there now. Um, and our, our brick here is the brick of diligence. Brick of diligence. So I need a volunteer to come up and, and do the brick for this one. Um, you haven't done one, right? The boy right there? He hasn't done one yet? Okay. I, I, I lose track sometimes. You guys are all wearing your, your Awana uniforms. It looks great. I'm like, okay, the one in the green shirt. Oh, that's like five of you. All right, so diligence is the word we're looking for here. Notice how, how strong these kids are to be lifting these bricks so easily. They're doing an amazing job. All right, thank you so much. So diligence. Diligence is a word that's defined as careful and persistent work or effort. Careful and persistent work or effort. So um, talking about doing uh, roles and doing them well. Um, whether adults, that's work. Whether that's you know, stuff around the house, stuff we do for jobs. Um, and it certainly relates also to things in the home, doesn't it? I love those wonderful moments when the family is gathered together accomplishing a task. Maybe it's yard work. Maybe we got a project that we're working on and the whole family is chipping in. We're working diligently to accomplish something. There, on occasion, Liz loves puzzles. She's, she's, she's a puzzle person and so occasionally we'll get out a spare table and set it out for the table and so that will be the task that I diligently stare at and do absolutely nothing. Um, because puzzles are such a big challenge for me. But Liz loves puzzles. The kids love puzzles. And so maybe we'll get those out and, and we'll work together diligently on that. Um, seriously, though, I mean, give me the edges. And if you make a puzzle without edges, you're just mean. You seen those that, like, the, the, they don't have the flat edges? Yeah. David's out right there. That's just not, that's just not even nice. But, but we want, it's so fun to diligently work together on a project as a family. Do something either related to the home, or just something fun, just something that we can uh, accomplish together. All right, and, and kids and teenagers. Okay, I haven't said anything specifically to kids. Usually in, in, in Awana, that's the target group that I'm going to, so I've made it this far in, and I haven't said anything directly to the kids, so I'm going to break that right now. Um, but hey, let me let you guys in on a little bit of a secret that us parents have. We just love it when you guys are diligent. We love it when we can assign a job and a task and we can come back and we see that it's accomplished well. We love when we can see that you're not cutting corners on a project and you're actually doing it and you're doing it well and your whole heart's in it. Um, you know, as a dad, it makes me like want to like do a little, you know, embarrassing dad dance or, 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 you know, give you a big hug. Now, 
we don't want to do that because it's going to totally ruin the moment. And we have this, you know, moment of joy that we're experiencing here with you doing something, you know, around the house and doing it so well. We don't want to mess that up. But it makes us really happy inside where we want to just say, that's, that's my kid. They're doing an awesome job. So, so thank you for the things that you do that are diligent. We may pretend not to notice in the moment, but we are so thankful for that. Um, and hopefully we do acknowledge that appreciation uh, at some point when, when it's done and done, done really well. Now, I don't want to hold this over you kids, but, but you really do need to be diligent because according to Scripture, if you're not working around the house, the Bible says that we don't even have to feed you. So um, that's in there, actually, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, every parent should be jotting that down. Um, Paul says, and if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So it's, it's spelled out there pretty evidently. So um, we're not going to hold that over your heads. We know that, that you kids are trying, that you guys um, do a great job and can do things in a really good way. And even if you don't, we will most likely still feed you. Um, so... Um, but th- that's, that's part of being a family together, is working together, doing um, life together, uh, doing service projects together. So in um, things that we set out to do as a family together, let's be diligent. Let's aim for diligence. All right, we are on number six, and the next one is gladness. Ooh, that's a fun one, gladness. So who wants to volunteer and find our gladness brick? I think you've already done one. Do I have someone who hasn't done one? All right, come on up, buddy. We're down to two left, so we've got gladness. Find that one for us. Add that to our house that we're making over here. The passage here is Proverbs 15, 13. Proverbs 15, 13, and it says, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow the spirit is crushed. All right, man, thanks so much for your help there. woo So I like putting, putting something fun in here, right? We've had kind of a lot of serious ones, you know, do this, do that. Um, but we, you know, God cares if we're glad. Being glad is something that God cares about. And he does not want our spirits to be crushed. So it's a relief to know that God wants us to be glad. He desires our homes to be havens of gladness. Now, I don't want us to think just about gladness as being happy. I mean, happy hap- can come and go. We're, it's a little different than happy. I can be happy sometimes and not happy in a time very shortly after it. But gladness is more of a state of being. It's more of contentment. It's more of being thankful, having appreciation for God and what he has given us. So a glad heart is one that sees the blessings more than the things that we lack. A glad heart is one that might see the silver lining in a situation that is definitely what we would consider imperfect. A glad heart is one that remembers that it's God who's in control. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul reminds us that God is able to do abundantly more than all we can ever ask or think. So God is worthy, and we can put our trust in what he's doing in our lives. Now, for some of us, that may mean that we have to overlook, you know, a home that maybe needs a little bit more work than what we would like to put into it, right? It's got some quirks. But we can be glad in that home that, that we have that blessing. It might mean that we 
have to, you know, look beyond the imperfections of a boss or even someone in our home that we're still, you know, there's just some things we have to overlook, some imperfect relationships with a family member. Proverbs 15, 13 reminds us that gladness is something that should bring a smile to your face, right? A cheer, gladness brings a cheerful face. So if you want a, a gauge on your gladness, maybe just, just check on how often you're doing one of these. You know, let's practice. Not everyone's practicing. All right, all right. Keep, keep working on that. Keep working on that. Um, we want to be glad. We want to be thankful. It's, it's good for our heart. It's good for our soul to remember to be glad. All right, and then that comes to our seventh brick. The last brick we have is our brick that our family should be merciful. And the passage there is Proverbs 31.9. So I need one more person who hasn't been up yet to be able to come. Didn't he already come? Did he not? I hadn't. Okay, come on up, buddy. You get, you get to put the cap on our house here. Put the cap on our house. Put that last brick on there, and we'll have all seven of them. Ta-da! Excellent job, kids! Woo! <laughs> Proverbs 31.9 says, Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So part of being a Christian means that we are caring for the poor. We're caring for the needs of others. Now, we certainly need to have mercy. We need to be merciful in our relationships at home. Um, but I wanted to end with this one because this is really where our home and our family has a chance to look outward and be a part of the community, be a part of the nation that we live in, be a part of our neighborhood. This one extends beyond our home's walls. Um, Proverbs 31.9 here is, is quite evident that, that the poor and needy, this isn't just something that's going to be you know, part of our, our family, our, our, our social group. This is going to extend beyond those uh, immediate um, family relations and people that are really close to us. It matters to God how our families speak and act toward those who are in need. A merciful family might be one that just sees a kid at a bus stop with tattered shoes and say, I want to buy that kid a, a new pair of shoes. Seeing that need and being willing to meet it. A merciful family might know of a, 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 a family that has someone who's sick or recently lost a job. And they drop a meal by the house unasked, just to, just to show that they care. A merciful family is one that gives time and money to various missions projects, something locally, something globally. Because being merciful is, it has that missions component, right? It's, it's thinking beyond ourselves. It's thinking in a, in a, in a larger view of the world. And it's going to take some sacrifice. It's, it's not going to come easily. Being merciful is going to cost us a little bit of something. But Luke 6.36 puts it pretty plainly that, that we've all been recipients of mercy. And as such, we, we, we should also be merciful. Luke 6.36 says, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. By definition, mercy is undeserved. Um, we've all been shown great mercy. When we think about um, 
all that, that Jesus has done for us when we, you know, just had that Easter celebration a few weeks ago of Jesus and his, his resurrection, his, his death, burial, and resurrection. And we've been shown that cre- tremendous mercy, and so it's no, it's no small, it's a seemingly small thing that we can do to show mercy to others can really go a long way. And 1 Peter 1.3 tells us that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise God for his mercy, right? Praise God for this gift of salvation offered to us because God had mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, of course, didn't sin. He didn't deserve that death on the cross. That death is what you and I deserve for our sin. But God showed us mercy. And we celebrate that, especially on Easter Sunday, but uh, you know, year-round, we want to have that, that reminder. And a reminder that because of that mercy that we've been shown, we can share mercy to those around us in our homes and in our communities and around the world. Let's pray this in together.